Welcome to the January Donovan Show. I'm the founder of The Woman's School, where our bold vision is to rebuild culture one woman's worth at a time. And we're doing that by providing an education and training platform for women. Because the best way to fight the devaluing of women today is to have a strength of mind, to be skilled, and to be strategic about how we can influence culture. And the best way we can do that is to train ourselves. We have a duty to personally develop who we need to become for the world so that we can set the world on fire. And in the woman's school, our vision is to form women so she can transform culture. Join me as I talk about how we can be a force for society. And it begins with us developing ourselves. So does a woman's school help women grow closer to Christ? I'm going to answer this question. I actually got a question here because I think um, I want to clarify a lot of misconception uh, from those that want to perhaps maybe attack the woman's school or perhaps don't understand the woman's school. And I'll share with you my heart and you take it for whatever it is and you discern our Lord's will. But I'll give you my own perception. So there's a question here, and then I'll kind of um, divulge from here. So, hi, January. I'm a fellow Catholic, and so am I, um, and possibly a fellow alumni of the same school or go to. So just a little background. Because I recently heard the exorcist of our diocese mention in a homily that we should not be trying to be the best version of ourselves, but that we should be striving to become Christ or put on Christ. So question number one. I would like to possibly even ask, you know, the homilist, the homilist <laughs> that's a word, what would it be to actually put on the armor of Christ? Is it in conflict with becoming the best version of ourselves? Because in my own mind, I believe that our Lord wants us to become full of who, fully who he wants us to be, which is essentially to assume his being, which is to be perfect as a heavenly father is perfect. So to me, that presumes in my own heart that we become the best version of ourselves. So I sometimes always uh, question the definition of the language of some of the things that I think are used. Now, I will say that, you know, the woman's school is sort of seen as sort of a personal development. And the personal development reputation within the spiritual formation or the Catholic space or the Christian space doesn't always, I think more actually in the Catholic space, not so much in the spiritual space, I think it's a bad reputation because the assumption is that it leads to vanity, it leads to sort of the self, self-absorption and pride, which I don't actually disagree. I think that there are actually lots of example that, you know, personal development becomes an end in itself. Now, I also think that personal development as a whole, when we stereotype, is dangerous. I think when women start to generalize judgment, such as racism or certain people or personal development, it's also very dangerous. I think we have to pay attention to how we qualify each individual heart, because then we fail to harvest the good in every situation. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying is that there's a lot of good in personal development. But we have been trained, especially in the Catholic space, to be afraid of it as opposed to actually redeem it. So a lot of the uh, you know, criticisms that I get from the woman's school is we don't need a personal development, we only need Christ. 
And I guess a question I have is, why is it different? Isn't to become fully who God created us to be require us to personally develop ourselves? Now, the, the stance in the woman's school is that we don't develop ourselves for the sake of developing ourselves, to be full of ourselves. We develop ourselves for the sake of being able to have greater contribution to the world. We don't. We are not, I would say, the end, rather a means to a greater end. The same is also true is that an underdeveloped woman actually wrecks havoc in society. And let me tell you, as a mother of eight children, the hot mess mama movement of awesome you know, dirty kitchen, also mom, has also wrecked havoc in our society. The underdeveloped woman who is incapable of making decision, managing her mind, also her home, her marriage, has also actually robbed people of faith. I think our church has plenty of evidence people are leaving the church because our lives aren't beautiful. Why? Because we're underdeveloped. And I think part of it is that there's a false training that developing ourselves uh, for the sake of developing ourselves is to be feared. And I think there needs to be a redemption. And that's what the woman's school teaches is that we form ourselves so we can draw closer to our Lord's will. It's like, you know, women are like, oh, I'm not going to, how do I know God's will? I'm like, well, you can't really know God's will unless your will is formed. And so how do you form your will? You actually have to develop your mindset. There's a renewal of your mind. There's a development of your skill set. And I say this because I, I have seen mothers who have great faith, who want to hand their faith to their child, but their lives are so unattractive because they lived undisciplined and underdeveloped lives, which I am seeing children after children after children of good, faithful Catholics that not want, that do not want anything to do with Catholics. I'm sorry, with being a Catholic, because if our faith, if we want to hand in our faith to our children, then they better love the life we're living. And that requires us to actually personal, personally develop ourselves. So that's the stance that I think I feel like there's a massive confusion um, in this idea that there's a conflict between becoming this best version of ourselves and also putting on Christ and developing the wisdom of Christ. In my own understanding, the wisdom of the Bible is based on natural law. It's based on the law of the heart. It's based so much, I think, of truth, beauty, and goodness that whether you have faith in you know, Christ or not, there is evidence that moral truth exists. And I think that, I think a lot of the fear comes from the false teachings, such as you know, this exorcist. Now, I obviously believe in exorcists. I also obviously believe that we have to be vigilant. Now, the woman's school is not theologically, um, uh, it is theologically based because of, of, of what I believe is true for myself, but I'm not doing exegesis. I'm not doing a Bible study. And so part of the misconception and the false expectation is that women come here to expect, I think, um, the fullness of, of, I would say, the formation of women spiritually. Uh, that is not what God has called me. And I'll tell you, I have been crucified and judged, and I've cried many tears of judgment assumption because I have strayed true to what God is asking me, which is to create a bridge ministry of human formation for such a time as this, where women are incapable of actually greater intimacy because it's hard to pray when you don't even know how to manage your mind, make decisions, and manage your home. I did this for free for 15 years. I trained women to develop greater intimacy with their Lord. The problem was that they couldn't even get up to pray because they had no routine. They had no rhythm of life. They had no understanding of their self-worth. 
And so they went before God and their intimacy with our Lord was hijacked by their lack of human formation. So how do you know? So the second question is: So I, I disagree with you, you know the understanding that we that there's a conflict coming the best version of ourselves and putting on the armor of Christ. I think it's semantics, and I think it needs to be defined and redefined. Secondly, I think what I we believe in the woman school and the wholeness coaching school is actually based in the scripture: "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect." Perfect. And the root word, Greek word is telesio, if I'm saying that properly, and that is to be whole. And that's why we preach in the woman's school an integrated life. And here's why I think this is important. We live in a broken world where only parts of the woman matter or parts of the woman are being valued, our body, our our, our money, our fame and fortune. And what what's happening is that women don't understand the importance of motherhood. They don't understand the sacredness of their body. They don't understand the sacredness of relationship from a, from a very human level. <laughs> and so how do we shove truth down their throat and give them scripture when they don't even understand it from a very human level that they have a responsibility to actually design every arena of their life so they can actually um, feel fulfilled? What do I mean by that? So if we don't know how to be a friend, if we have never been developed to be loyal, to be sincere, to communicate effectively, to understand our tonality, our facial expression, how do we have great marriages? And how can we raise children who are going to evangelize? In my own opinion, evangelization is dead if we lack the reverence of what it means to be a woman. So to me, when I look at the world right now and I start to give them scripture and preach to them this is the you know the way the truth of the light which i believe wholeheartedly with my whole entire being they are what going to mock me why because they're going to look at all the scandals in the church financially sexually and they're going to say hypocrisy so the call to the woman's school is actually to win them over humanly with complete humility that it begins with our own formation the woman's school is about developing a disciplined woman. So yes, it's not developing just a best version of ourselves, but rather a whole version of ourselves, which what we teach is that to become whole is to actually die to ourselves. Because I'll tell you, as a mother of eight, to try to build a routine, to try to manage my mind, manage my tonality, have a facial expression, to live my life so beautifully so that my children will actually want to live my faith that I so deeply defend and profess requires me to say no to myself, to say to for delayed gratification, for me to actually order my thoughts and not be judgmental, to think so purely. Imagine what it takes for a woman to actually have a purity of heart, to manage her thought on a consistent basis so she stays vigilant against assumptions and judgments and criticism. And more importantly, she doesn't go to somebody and criticize her for something that she might not be even have full knowledge of. Can you imagine the personal development that is required to actually be a saint? Why are we not raising saints? It's an important question. We don't even talk about it. How do you even begin to raise a saint when a woman is incapable of understanding her value? 
When there is no life from within because she's so tired and exhausted every single day and she's beat up because she doesn't have a routine. She doesn't know how to say no. She's constantly in social media. She's undisciplined. So she's binging on Netflix. She's eating whatever she wants. Her body is physically tired that impacts her mentally. She's lonely because she's catty and judgmental and she doesn't actually know how to be a loyal friend. Guess what? That then woman becomes a mother and says, here, here's my faith. Pray the rosary, make sure you go to mass and make sure you honor the sacraments. But my life is not attractive to you, dear child of mine. Now let's see the opposite. What if we? What if our faith was every breath that we lived, that what we wear, that our thought, our body, the purity of our heart, that we walked with a deep reverence on the masterpiece that God has created within us? How different would our capacity to actually bring truth back into the world? Because what I am seeing is that women today are so broken, faithful women, women who profess God, and yet their marriages are falling apart. Why? Because nobody showed them that their facial expression, their negativity, their criticism and judgment towards their husband is repelling them. Therefore, they are unhappy in their own marriage, and their children are seeing it, and their children are like, I don't want to have anything to do with your faith. Your sacraments really are not real. Why? Because grace has nothing to work with. Can God do anything? Absolutely. But it requires a humble woman. And, and the, the formation of the, of the woman's school, which a lot of people assume what the woman's school is from the outside, which frankly, it bothers me because <laughs> I think before we pose judgments, we should actually get in there and wrestle with it. Now, that's just my own, I would say, you know, personal frustration because my biggest critics come actually from those that are faithful. My biggest critic are comes from those that actually profess their faith. And, you know, when I first did this, um, I did this because I saw that women did understand deeper intimacy with our Lord. And so I fought so hard for women. And the vision was always that women can rebuild the church. Um, and what I saw was women were incapable of the things that they deeply desire. They want to, but they don't know how to. And so God really pivoted me and said, January, I need a bridge ministry. I need a ministry that's going to give women the discipline necessary to die their own selves so that they actually can rise up to become the saint that I have called and created them to be. Because how can we become hopefully God created, them, created us to be if we are incapable of managing our emotion? If we are incapable of actually policing our thoughts or we're incapable of cleaning our kitchen? Why do we need a clean kitchen? Because order is actually one of the evidence of God. And if our life is so disordered exteriorly, that our interior life follows. So, you know, I ask, and this is a, hum I'm not, you know, I'm not um, angry at this question. I think I, I welcome it. I, I, I get fiery about it because I've cried so many tears to tell women and say, listen, this is not an exegesis. This is not, you know, me doing theology of the body. This is me doing what our Lord has asked me. And I'll tell you, I wish sometimes that God did not call me to this deep work because I've been crucified by the very people that I fought for. I have spent my life defending the church and responding to our Lord's call at the cost of my own 
loneliness because it's those that I have fought so hard to defend are the ones that crucify me. And I have experienced my own crucifixion. But I also know that it's easier for me to say yes to God than to say no to him. And I'm at the formation that I have received from my own spiritual direction has always been what? One soul. You say yes to God, regardless if you see any result. That my detachment has to come from, yes, Lord, I am asking this, regardless if I see any results. Although the fruits can you know, reveal itself, I think you know them all your fruits. I think that thousands and thousands of testimonies of families of suicide of mental illness have been diverted and divorced through this work. To me, it's not a testimony of my work. I've never believed this is my work. I've never, I've always feel like I was the messenger of this deep work. And I wish I wasn't, to be honest with you. It would be a lot more comfortable for me to actually be in the Catholic space where I could speak so freely, but I didn't have to learn the language of secular world to bridge this to both actually conservative faithful women and also women who have no concept of faith. But what I'm seeing in this work, what keeps me going, the consolation that I have in my heart is actually the conversions that are happening, the deeper conversions that are not shallow. The sustained generosity of mothers that were once upon a time incapable of actually giving to their children the life that they wish they could give to their children. Because it's not just about bringing life to this world. It's about giving life sustainably. And without personally developing ourselves to become a whole version of ourselves, then we are incapable of giving without resentment. And that is what I am seeing. And that, I mean, we don't, you don't have to go look for, you know, in the Catholic space, there's a lot of resentment, both in mothers. And I'll tell you, because I work, I've, I am working, I am developing a company and I'm running with my husband. I'm also, first and foremost, a mom. Therefore, the priorities in my life has to be ordered. That my God comes first, although I don't advertise it to the world. I don't, you know, I know what this ministry is and it's and it's my husband and it's my children. The layers of discipline necessary to actually have an ordered priority requires personal development. And if you don't agree with that, then maybe it's not personal development, but rather human formation. But to assume that it's not necessary to actually draw deeper intimacy with our Lord is actually, I think, foolish. It's like, it's like proclaiming, <laughs> you know, that to be charitable and, and reciting the gospel over and over and over again without ever practicing the death and discipline necessary to actually have a heart that's pure and charitable. So, um, uh, I ask because I want to become who he wants me to be and recognize that I need help becoming this. Absolutely, we all need help. And I also think that, you know, I always say that God can't move up, even God can't move a parked car. We can pray all day for the grace to be peaceful, for the grace to be the kind of mother. But if we don't get up and God said, well, I can't really work. You have free will. I've given you that gift. You have free will to not get up. So we can pray all day to be healthy, but we don't discipline ourselves with our diet and nutrition and presume that as mothers, we just have, you know, this, um, what is it called? Mommy brain, or that we've let ourselves go. That presumption is that we can know, we should never, we, that we don't take care of our environment, our home, our desk, our beds aren't made. And, you know, I think the excuses that I always hear is like, well, you know, as long as I'm reading the Bible, the, my bed doesn't have to be made. I'm like, well, why does it have to be either or? 
Why can our beds be made so beautifully as a sign of a prayer to our Lord? Why can we develop skill set as a form of prayer? So where does this take us? Where it takes us with setting the right expectation that this is not a spiritual formation, but it is actually the foundation of spiritual formation. That is what the human formation is. And that's what the woman's school is. Um, I don't want to just think on my own who I should be without the biblical wisdom. So I will tell you that everything that I teach in the woman's school is based on biblical wisdom, whether I say it or not. I'm very strategic about it. What I mean by that is that I, I call it parable language. I don't use a language necessarily that you know, you, you, the average woman who lacks formation is incapable of receiving. That's why in the woman's school, the first thing you realize is that it is actually a new language. And I call it the parable language. This is our Lord's book in parables. But I'm also not going to shun somebody here who has never experienced the privilege of our faith. This is a school for all women who are humble enough to say, I need help and I need to grow. And I know that I don't know. And our philosophy in the woman's school is that we never arrive that we ought to become for the rest of our life. We ought to assume the whole version of ourself as a way of being, that we become a student of ourselves, the world and the people around us, and with deep humility, surrender every single thing to God and with God and for God. Now, do I say that always explicitly? No, I say it strategically. I say it in between the lines, in between my teaching, but everybody knows actually in the woman's school, if you're in the school, that it is, <laughs> you know, it is based on biblical wisdom. Why? Because I think truth is truth, you know, and I don't believe this is watered down truth. I think it's simplified language for truth that's actually simple, but it has fallen on rocky soil. Who's the soil? Women's hearts. We are under trained, therefore got the gospel. We can't live it out. We can't. I've seen it. You know, have unshakable peace. We can't live the peace that our Lord deeply desires for us in scripture because we are incapable of layers and layers of human discipline necessary to receive actually the wisdom of the church, to receive exactly what our Lord is asking of us. We can't even hear. How do you read scripture when you haven't built a routine, when you don't know how to say no to social media? That's personal development. But it's not personal development for the sake of what? Being full of ourselves. We are never the end. And if you're going to come to the woman's school, it is about humility, which is humus, comes from the root word humus, rich, dark soil, and all things can grow from. And the hardest part of my job is actually inviting women to greater formation because women think that they know. The hardest part of my job is also inviting women that have faith, but their lives are not, ex that are not a lives. They're not inviting. And as a matter of fact, they are repelling. And often, I know does not equal I am. And I'll say this, I think, last is um, the grace that only can come from the sacrament and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I believe it. And I think the grace to go to the sacrament and to listen to the Holy Spirit requires a rhythm of life, requires a routine, requires formation, requires boundaries, requires skill. And the way we define skill set in the woman's school, which is really what I teach is practical life skill set, is really virtues broken down into bite-sized pieces. Because if I tell you, live out prudence, judgment, temperance, how? 
How do you do that? How do you do that on a daily basis as a single woman, as a mother, as a wife, as a mother who makes her life so inviting to her children that her, her kids want to be faithful? Why? Because mom, I love the life you're living. You're living your dreams. You're being a woman of vision. I see that you're consistent. I see that you're, you know, you have a purity of heart, purity of mind. I see that you're kind in your thoughts and your action. The, the meal that you're cooking is delicious. I love our home life. And all of this was something I have never been given in my life. And I suffered for it, which is why I am passionate about giving women the formation that I have received and continue to receive. I have not arrived far from it. So that a woman can have a shot to actually live out the scripture that our Lord deeply desires for our family. And make no mistake, there is an attack on women right now. And you know why? Because women have been so weakened. Why? Because she's emotionally incapable of, of actually co uh, commanding her own thoughts. She's a roller coaster of emotion, incapable of defending men, children, family, our home life. So to me, the untrained woman who is living lives of disintegration is part of the reason why the world is falling apart. I also believe that a whole version of a woman is actually what's going to redeem and rebuild culture. When she knows her value from a very neurological level, scientifically, you know, there's this part of our brain called a reticular activator system, RAS that God designed, what you focus on expands. My, my daughter just did it, you know, she was focusing on something negative and she's 12 and she's like, I know mom, my reticular activator, I'm using it. I'm really totally focusing on negative. I'm going to switch it. 12 years old. I teach grown women to shift their focus. Why? Because formation needs to happen from the womb. Why? Because an unformed woman cannot form her child. So this is, you know, this is just me really sharing the depths of, of sometimes I would say the criticism. And I just want to bring clarity to it um, from the bottom of my heart. And no, I'm not angry about it. I am wounded by a few women who jump into assumptions without actually digging deep into what the woman's school is. And there's you know, been instances are far and few between because I think we have thousands and thousands of testimonies of just, you know, transformed lives. Um, but I just asked that before you judge, you know, come in, join the woman's school, <laughs> see for yourself the depths of the work that we teach. And, and then you can make your decision. And if you have any, you know, I go to watch parties all the time with women. I say, if you have any complaints, please tell me I'm here and I will learn from you. I don't have it all figured out. And women know in the women's school, our coaches know, they give me feedback. I come right back and say, okay, let's make this better. Let's make this better. And I'll tell you, business has crucified me. <laughs> it has been my sanctity. I love my quiet life. A public life, no thank you. <laughs> but once again, I'm here because God has asked. And I have to show up every single day knowing our Lord has asked regardless of the criticism I get or perhaps the judgments that I've received through the years. But I do find consolation also in the fruits of this work um so he says is does a woman school take into account and the code to coach women in grace yes i do i think that everything is grace i think that in order to receive the grace that god gives us that we have to be open to grace in humility the deep reverence for the sacredness of being a woman and how do we do that we reflect, who are we? What do I want? What do I not want? What does our Lord want? And I also just think of, you know, the word, uh, the scripture, uh, Psalm 37, 4, trust in the Lord and he'll give you your heart's desire. 
A lot of times women are resentful within a church because they have unfulfilled desires. Because what's assumed in a church is that our desires are bad. Like, well, at least it was for me. So women today either indulge in their desires or they inhibit their desires, both of which are, I think, dangerous. It builds rebellion. What I think we need to do with our desires is that we form it. We discover the desires of our heart. We purify it. Why? We align it with our highest good. We study natural law and moral truth and say, you know, I really want to binge on Netflix, but what is really good for me is to actually get up in the morning and exercise. I really want to eat rice all day because it's what I love. But what's really good for me is to actually have optimal energy so I can be fully present with my children. I'm not sitting in a couch tired and exhausted and complaining about motherhood. Because everything is so integrated. And so that's what the woman's school is. It is about developing a whole version of ourselves and not just the best version of ourselves. Although it does mean that the whole version of ourselves, I think, is in harmony with our Lord, our, our Lord's desire. I mean, you know, we can wrestle with that. But the idea is that every part of our life is accounted for. We're responsible for it. We are designing it and co-creating with our Lord. We are praying for it, but we are also disciplining ourselves. So we can't just pray our way through something without actually working towards it. I love, you know, St. Augustine is pray is it? I think it's St. Augustine. Praise are everything dependent on God, but work is everything dependent on you. And so um, I hope that serves you. And I hope that, you know, for all of you that are listening, that this makes your heart rest. And at the end of the day, you have to discern what God is asking you right now. And if you're a woman of faith, take what you've learned in the women's school and bring it all the way home. And I try to do what I can in my call to actually share my faith. I'm pretty transparent. It's not like I'm hiding anything. You know, I think my work has been pretty transparent as a woman. I have to respect what God is asking of me so I can reach more women in the secular space without compromising who I am. And so I think the fruit of women that are faithful, and we have doctors of the church, we have theologians, we have spiritual directors in the women's school, is that now they have actual language to bring it all the way home. I think that the formation that they have received both in the wholeness coaching school and the women's school has actually formed their level of depth and intimacy to actually be more available for the sacraments and also available for the Holy Spirit because they have more aware of who they are. And I'll finish up with this because it's a scripture that I'm sorry, it's the second commandment is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I always sort of wrestled with this, you know, because I studied theology and philosophy. And I remember sitting there, Dr. Hahn's class, especially in Steubenville, and I thought, how do you live this? How do you live prudence? I do the commandments. How do you live all this? And I was speaking, I was seeing it from a very, I would say, practical point of view, because that was where my mind went, was how do you do this? I never had a mom who trained me practically. So I always sort of questioned. And I remember just sitting there and wrestling, you know, with this idea, where is there formation in the church to love thyself? Because essentially what the second commandment is, is love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we can't actually love your neighbor, your child, your husband, your friend, your community, your parish, you know, your church, unless you actually know how to love yourself. And I remember thinking, you know, the response I got was that there is no formation in self-love. And I think where we get this idea of self-love is what? In the secular space, love yourself, which is what I call fluff love. Why? Because it goes back to Socrates is that how do you love yourself? You have to know thyself. You can't love something you do not know. You can't love something you do not know. So I train women to actually build a level of awareness of who they are. Who are you? What are your aptitudes? How did, what did God make you? What are your patterns of pain? How do you respond to your own wounds? How do you discover the desires of your heart? What do you want and don't want? Why? So that we discover who we are. Why? So we can have greater capacity to love those around us so that we can love ourselves 
from a place of unconditional love, not toxic, judgmental love, criticism that actually we project the way that's the way God loves us. And so to love ourselves is a prerequisite to actually being an apostle. That's what I believe. You could not agree with it, and that's totally fine with me. But to love us, our neighbor, our child, our church, to defend our church requires us to love ourselves, to know ourselves, to know our weakness, our strength, our aptitude, our irreplaceable and unique contribution in the world, to understand how our brain works, the brain that God gave us, to understand our body, our uterus everything that works together. I mean, the masterpiece of God created in a woman is so profoundly beautiful that we can literally meditate it for life and we would explode in gratitude. It could only be. And that's what Our Lady represents. And so to me, how do you even achieve that level of depth, personal development, and becoming a whole version of yourself? Become a woman who studies the world, John Paul II, study the signs of our time so you can know the heart of man and both the heart of God. How does a woman do that? She must be disciplined in studying herself. Today, the faithful have lost the ability to study herself. She knows, but she is incapable of knowing herself. She knows so much in the information world, but she is incapable of even studying her own wounds, her own patterns of reaction, interaction. She's even unaware that her facial expression is repelling people to Christ. Go to church and you'll see. Unhappy facial expression. And when my children goes, mom, why are people not happy in here? And they go to church. And I say, you're right. They're just unaware. They actually really love our Lord, but they don't understand that their facial expression, enthusiasm means with God is actually causing people to be repelled of their faith. Why do I say this? Because our church is dying and everything needs to be accounted for. That a woman fully alive, living the fullness of truth, beauty, and goodness becomes a walking invitation to our Lord, becomes a living testimony of the Bible, becomes a walking gospel. I might be the very only gospel that you'll ever read, as St. Francis says. How do we do that? We live it so profoundly, which requires us to die to ourselves every single day. And that's what it is, right? We are called to live both the death and the resurrection of our Lord, the passion every single day of our life. And I'll tell you, to personally develop ourselves as women, requires a death of self, to die to our old self every day, every minute, so we can give birth and rise to the new woman that God has called us to be. That woman is so inviting, she baffles the world, that she's steeped in humility, but she is unafraid to be fierce, that she loves her husband, but she also holds a standard in her own home, that she understands respect, that she is capable of making things externally beautiful, but she points everything towards the spiritual beauty of what our Lord is. That she understands how to have conversation. She's not weak in her speech. She is strong, but she's tender and she's fierce. She's not a pushover, but she studies. She's reverent. There's a grace around her that can only come from our Lord because she's capable of receiving it because she has studied herself and she has worked through layers and layers of discipline to die to her own self, to give birth to the new woman that God desires for every single day of her life. Woman fully alive, as St. Irenaeus said. That, to me, is what the world needs now. Because she becomes a pillar of society, as St. Edith Tide tells us. We have so many women that are alive and are lifeless and living lives of quiet and fulfillment. And I say this, women of faith, 
who is steeped in judgment, whose heart has been hardened in resentment because their husband do not see them. Why? Because they do not see themselves. They don't know how to raise the standards of their own relationship, of their own homes. Children that disrespect them. They're fighting for their faith. They want to give their faith. They want to pray the rosary. They want to give sacraments. And their children are, are living lives of promiscuity. I think the martyrdom that we are called to for such a time as this is to live a life that is whole, that is ordered towards truth, beauty, and goodness, which requires us to become a whole version of ourselves. So yes, that's what we profess in the women's school and the homeless coaching school is be perfect because your Heavenly Father is perfect. So you can be whole to what end? Not so you can glorify yourself, but so you can give glory to God and give more of yourself. It's about living a life of sustained generosity so that our lives become a vessel. That is what we are. That we become the pure vessel of our Lord because we know how. We don't become the hindrance to people actually reading the gospel. We don't actually become the reason why people are repelled by truth. We become the very reason people want to say, what do you have? I want what you have. Right? And that grace is true, can only come from the Holy Spirit, which requires a woman to be so open to the Spirit that she knows exactly how to command her thoughts, her body, her spirit, so she can be freely available as a vessel and as an apostle for our Lord. Amen. There is no school that teaches us how to be a woman, how to manage our mind, our emotions, our bodies, our homes, our relationships, our careers and friendship, and all the practical skills that we need to honor every part of our life and become the woman we deeply desire to be. Women have a universal desire to live a life of meaning and contribution. And yet, we are being blamed and shamed for the choices no one taught us how to make. Think about it. Doctors, teachers, nurses, and every other profession get access to training. And yet, women are expected to know how to be a woman just because they're born a woman. But worst, we are valued based on our performance, perfection, position, popularity, and power we call the poisonous bee which is why so many women quietly doubt if they're good enough. The truth is that our worth is unconditional and our value is not for sale. We are all unique and unrepeatable and what we offer the world is irreplaceable. The Woman's School is a how-to school for women for such a time as this. It is time for women to rise up, become who she was created to be and set the world on fire. My name is January Donovan, founder of The Woman's School, which is a how-to school for women for such a time as this. I'm a mom of eight and a business owner, and I truly believe that it is time for women to rise up, become who she was created to be, and set the world on fire. I created a foundational training on how to be a woman so that you can understand your value and your purpose for such a time in history where we are being erased. So buckle up and prepare yourself for the rise of the new woman.